Hello, my friends, and Megavonin to those of you who speak Sindarin. Welcome, one and, <laughs> one and all, to... <laughs> I'm sorry, I wasn't expecting that. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. Okay, Car- carry on, carry on. I am my fault. Okay. Would you, you like a redo? Guess... What'd you say? Would you like a redo? <laughs> Uh, you know, honestly, no, I wouldn't. Let, 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 we're okay. we're going to leave this in. We're going to leave this part in of of me just blowing Josh's mind. I'd and... probably laugh every time, to be quite honest. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'd have been more impressed if it was Quenyan. Yeah. Oh, well, oh. excuse me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Andrew. Andrew's fluent in Quenyan, not Sindarin. Okay, excuse me on our Elvish dialects. Uh, my friends, if you all do not understand what we're referencing or didn't really check the title of the podcast, um, we're going to be talking about Lord of the Rings tonight. Uh, we're going to be doing retrospective on it. Uh, for those of you who do not know, it is 20 years old. The films are, anyways. 20 years old, uh, December 19th of this month. And uh, that's absolutely insane to me. Um, I mean, thinking about just... Lord of the Rings and how how it's really kind of shaped my life, whether it was just in my personal life or even here with fandom correspondence. If 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 Star Wars was the first fandom, then Lord of the Rings was the one that really kind of tempered that and just kind of kept it going, you know. Um, so so yeah, so we're gonna be talking about Lord of the Rings. Um, thank you all so much for tuning in. Um, if you have had a chance to check out some of the Christmas Fest podcasts going on, we're very excited about those. Um, and then we've also got a really cool end of year podcast coming up. And, uh, so be on the lookout for that. And, uh, then we've got some great stuff planned for 2022 as well. Um, but, uh, before we get into the actual Lord of the Rings podcast itself, we're going to start introducing everybody. I'm, I'm getting there. Yes. You know, yes. Um, we're going to go kind of around and introduce everybody, uh, strangers from distant lands, um, <laughs> you will unite or you will fall to uh speak on this podcast first up we have the one <laughs> my goal is to make you crack okay, yeah, that's yeah. my goal nine yeah. <laughs> so first up we have the wise sage uh my brother josh josh how you doing man? you know i'm doing well i'm doing real good i'm, I'm doing fantastic <laughs> would you consider me insufferable at this yeah, point yeah or, we're, we're, okay. we're, we're hitting there already we're, we're only we're two there. minutes into the podcast so <laughs> yeah we also have with us um, our newest member, official member of the Phantom Correspondence, Miss Alyssa. Alyssa is the person that we, um, I kind of, kind of trust pretty much on Middle Earth lore, pretty much just no matter what. I'm going to put my phone on silent. That was a little, just kind of, little intro for Alyssa. We're just excited that she's, that she's on the podcast with us. Alyssa, how you doing tonight? Hi, friends. I'm doing pretty well. Very excited. Yeah. A little bit nervous about that vote of confidence, but... I'm I, I I trust you and I I believe in you. Um, we also have a returning guest for us. Uh, Micah uh, is back. He was on our Skyrim podcast during um, the summer of video games, which was super fun. And you should all go check that out if you did if you have not had a chance to yet. Micah, we doing all right tonight, man? Hey, I'm great, and I am honored to be joining you today as the newest patron of the fandom correspondence. Oh, Appreciate nice. oh. your work. Love oh, you. That was the uh, you guys okay. are awesome. I had to talk to my wife to make sure we could afford uh, that, that high dollar fee, but we're excited uh, to be on board and a part um, and to get that exclusive, awesome content. 
That's great. That's, <laughs> yes, yeah. that's it's, it's coming, man. <laughs> it says meet Micah Spicer. Actually, yeah, out there. Nice. That's great. Well, thank you, Micah, for that. I, I, I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> on that note, if you'd like to go support our Patreon, <laughs> <laughs> just a nice little, nice little uh, segue there. If you want to go support us on Patreon, um, if we get 10 supporters, Josh is going to watch uh, The Joker and then give us a review on it, a video review on it, while Jenny is doing Joker, Joker makeup on him. Um, so, <laughs> ten subscribers, guys. It's it's not much, you know. It's we we can we can make this dream a reality, you know. Um, Gosh, I almost don't want to have to see that, but oh, oh I mean, <laughs> agree to disagree, Alyssa. Um, but before we go any further, um, our final guest for this evening and actually the first time on the podcast we're very excited to have him on here andrew andrew is one of my oldest friends we met because of lord of the rings which we're going to talk about here in a little bit um andrew how you doing tonight man doing really good feeling uh, excited to be on the podcast and nostalgic of the content um uh, yeah it's just wild what what a time to be alive <laughs> that that it is that it is um josh we're gonna go ahead and we're just gonna start with you um, if that's okay, you know, um, I, I don't, I don't have any, pu- any Lord of the Rings puns on that one good, just yet. Good. Um, <clears throat> so the, the first question is just, how did you first get into Lord of the Rings? Whether, whether it be at books or movies. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's, that's an easy one to answer because I actually know, I, I know the exact year and day I got the books, which was December 25th, 2000, uh, Christmas 2000. I, I'd asked for. Uh, I was really like really cool and asked for a bunch of books that year. And I remember I got um, that was the year I got most of the CSO stuff. I got like Mere Christianity, uh, for uh, you know, Four Loves, uh, Great Divorce, all the Chronicles of Narnia, and then. But I also got uh, kind of just kind of as a, on a whim, you know, almost Lord of the Rings, the Lord of the Rings, the Lord of the Rings. And like I'll never forget the the edition I got came in a came in a box and it had it had the Hobbit and had the three the three books separated and so you know it, it's it's a it's a daunting book to get into you know because you you have these three you know roughly four hundred page you know volumes here sure uh, the last one of course is especially daunting like I I don't suggest anyone actually like try to read ahead or look at like appendices until you're done because you can get lost and drown in those. But it really is. I'll never forget just opening up and uh, like I can't remember, but like right, right after the title page, there was just the map, you know, mm-hmm. and the map just draws you in. Mm-hmm. You know, the map just says, you know, I mean, just, you know, you, you've got you've got to fall into this world um, and just, you know, having all these distinct, uh, you know, places, you know, the Misty Mountains and, and Gondor and, you know, and the White Tower and all these all this stuff that's going on. And, um, and, and I, I, you know, I read the first book really quickly and I, I, I was actually, we were sharing this with Micah a few nights ago. I read two towers while I was, we, we went on a little field trip that you probably barely remember, barely, but we went on a little field trip to go see George W. Bush inaugurated, mm-hmm. um, which has not aged well, by the way, that, that, that <laughs> little piece of information has not aged well at all, but, but that was a thing that happened. That was a thing that happened. And I remember taking, uh, thinking to myself, I'm going to take, uh, I'd finished up Fellowship of the Ring, mm-hmm. or was getting ready to finish up Fellowship of the Ring, 
and I and I remember thinking like I'm just gonna take two towers, and then on at the very last minute I was like I'll take two towers on Return of the King just in case I go through it all, and I read two towers, which is a fast paced part of the book, mm-hmm. uh, really in about you know four days, mm-hmm. um, you know just every waking moment, you know that I was not doing something, I was reading two towers, and um, and then just you know when I finished it up, it, it's one of those books when you finish it for the first time, or you know the, the when you finish Lord of the Rings first time. You know, you you do you kind of look at the appendices, but you just kind of sit and you just kind of think about yourself for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> what am I going to do with my life? You know, who am I as a person? You know, um, and all that stuff. You know, and it really does. It, it it's one of those books that just grabs onto you. And and there's very few books, maybe five in my lifetime, that I've finished immediately and been like, I'm going to read that again right now. And Lord of the Rings is one of them. Uh, I, I've read, I, can't, I don't even know how many times I've read Lord of the Rings. But, like, it's one of those books where, you know, the moment I finished it, I was like, let me go back. Because you every, it's not so well as it's, it's so broad and big, you pick up on things, you know, you, that you missed out the first time. Um, and that's because of the world building. Um, but that that was, that's, you know, I yeah, that, I, <laughs> unfortunately, Lord of the Rings will always be attached to George W. Bush. For me for the rest of my life <laughs> uh simply because of the the premise and, and and the time when i was reading it so that's that's a little unfortunate but at the same time still uh that is uh that's 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 my first memory of it and that was and the interesting thing about it, that was you know like it was a good time to read because it's right before, right before the movie you know yeah. it's right when all we were getting all these pictures of you know i'll never forget the first picture of the movie we saw uh was boromir picking up the ring in the snow and it was in it yep. was in one of our electronic gaming monthly magazines, mm. and uh, he just he was picking up the ring. You know that moment when Frodo drops it in the snow there, and that's the first picture we saw. And I was like, and I, I was like, oh, that looks that looks interesting. You know, mm. like that looks that looks like Lord of the Rings. So, but yeah, that, that was my that was my first experience. You know, George W. Bush and Lord of the Rings just they go hand in hand. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm I'm actually I'm actually glad that you brought up. T- the the magazine where you saw the first film pictures because i don't know if it was the same time or if it was a different time but we were at walmart because that that was my introduction to it and you picked up a toy fair which is aging both of us a little bit um and how long that magazine's been gone unfortunately um and i remember they had the first four figures right um which were frodo sam a ring wraith and strider not aragorn strider right um and those were supposedly like the pre-order ones and apparently those sold out so quickly that then toy biz was like well we've got to yeah. get this on the on the roll and then everyone was made a figure of by that point um and that was the that was kind of my introduction was more so getting into the toys before the actual film i would love to expound on that but for the sake of the audience and the rest of our guests we're just going to leave the toys behind because it's a bad idea for me to expound on what is in my opinion the last great toy line ever so let's just move on let's move on from that and you know we, we, might, know. we might save that for a future yeah, that, episode. That, that might be another <laughs> podcast later on down the line. That's well, for a second well, podcast. Yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly, exactly. Uh, moving on, Andrew, uh, how did you first get into the Lord of the Rings, whether it be the books or the films? Yeah, so um, actually I remember my dad um, bought a late Christmas present for us. Um, I guess it had to have been in January, um, but I remember – 
that the you know Christmas lights were still up, and he brought home our first ever um, DVD slash VHS um, uh, all in one twofer. And um, the only DVD he brought home with it was the extended Fellowship, you know, on that beautiful green, mm-hmm. um, marbly green box. And uh, me and my brother and my dad watched it like that night. We plugged it in. We watched it that night. Um, and for the next probably year straight, I would just watch the appendices special features on those over and over and over. Um, I would make fun of my brother because he was super freaked out by that first orc that talks to Saruman with all the rings on his nose, um, the earrings and nose rings, face rings, whatever. Um, and he was real freaked out by him. Kind of gave me the creeps a little bit, but eventually I would get like a real good um, impression of that orc going. I'd creep up on Wes and what orders from Mordor, my lord? And, uh, <laughs> really creep him out. Um, and then, yeah, from the, I mean, it was it was game over from there. I think within that year it had to have been when um, I met you and um, approached you on that fateful Tuesday at yes. the church um, community room where we were in chess club together. Exactly. (laughs) um, My brother and I decided to direct our own movie of Fellowship of the Ring. And um, I was casting at that time. And I looked over and saw, um, no spoilers yet, but I saw Jacob. (laughs) Um, I would later call him a name uh, that's not Jacob for till currently. Um, And I walked over with my Lord of the Rings chess set and I sat down. and we were so professional at that age. <laughs> I said, I'd like, I, I approached you today to see if you would be interested in being in my brother and I's movie. And you said, well, what movie is this? And I said, we are making the Fellowship of the Ring. And you said, go on. <laughs> <laughs> I am certain that at eight years old, that is exactly how I <laughs> And and I said, um, I said, just, you know, just kind of looking at you, um, I would like to offer you the, the part of either Sam or Gimli. And you looked at me and you said, I would love to play Sam, but I feel like I would be a really good Gimli. And, um, I said, well, great. Um, would you like to play chess now? <laughs> and then uh, we started our friendship right then and there with that awesome Lord of the Rings chess set. Um, I remember the following December, you know, I went to sleep um, a random night in December and my mom wakes me and my brother up in the middle of the night and we're all groggy and don't know what's going on. And she has us follow her to the car and we drive up to the Malco and uh, she surprised us and took us to the midnight premiere of Two Towers. Mm. And so um, Two Towers is actually my first um, Lord of the Rings movie I saw in theaters. Um, and it, to this day, it's my favorite movie of all time. Um, it made quite the impression on me. Um, but yeah, so pretty much since then, it's been... Um, you know, tattoos on myself, uh, Lord of the Rings. That's been calling you Gimli to this day. You're on my phone as Gimli. Um, for those of you who are wondering, I played Legolas in the film, so me and Gimli were destined to be best friends. The, the, the natural friendship, you know. <laughs> exactly. So, but yeah. Um. So that was kind of my first experience. Um. And onward. So. Yeah. I. You know, it's. <clears throat> I was wondering if you were going to mention that you also offered Sam. Because I, I remember, I remember thinking I was, I was like, man, I do love Sam, but 
just being it would just be so much fun running around with the axe, you know, everything. And so, so yeah. Did we, you have did you have too much facial hair at eight years old to play Sam? Was that the issue? No, no, actually, this the the uh, the unkempt face you see before you, uh, and that people will see on Instagram at random points and times. Um, was not always the same. Uh, no, I was quite the baby face at eight years old, unfortunately. I didn't didn't have a full beard till at least nine. Um, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, we, I, I, I remember distinctly, you know, trying to film different scenes, whether it was at your house in your, in your old basement or at Yellow Creek Park and just so, so much fun. Uh, so, so many good childhood memories, like genuinely good ones. Like I've still got that script somewhere, Andrew. I really, and I, and yeah. I know as soon as I find it, that's our next podcast and or our, or our live stream or something. What's going on, Patreon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's gonna be the Patreon. Yeah, exactly. Sign up. <laughs> it is wildly inaccurate. <laughs> like fan fiction worthy. Oh man, it it's close. Like this was me going off of sheer memory and enthusiasm on Microsoft Word. Um, just like going to town. I'm like, I'm putting random stuff in there. I didn't even know like people's birthdays, like characters birthdays. I was throwing in there for some reason. Um, Perfect. It, it was wild. I, I probably, I don't know there. I'd have to read it again. Cause I, I almost want to say I put a gas station in there. Like at one point <laughs> they stopped to fuel up somewhere. I just wasn't, I don't know. It was wild. I'm I that is somewhere in my room I'm going to find I swear um but moving on uh Micah what was your first experience with with the Lord of the Rings uh films or books yeah for me uh, it was a bit personal just because as a child my parents divorced and one of the things I would do with my dad when I would be with him on the weekends uh is we would go to movies together I was in middle school when the Fellowship of the Ring came out in the seventh grade and dad wanted to go see it. It's, you know, it's what we did together. And for dad, he just liked action movies. So there were swords and shields and bows and arrows. And he was like, let's go see this. And I had no interest in it. I remember <laughs> thinking, gosh, you know, we're going to have to go see this, this, you know, this old school movie, you know, based on a book that was written in the World War II era. You know, so I'm just like, I'm just not feeling it at all. Um, and it was one of the best movie experiences I've ever had in my life. I had the lowest expectations, but loved that movie. And the fortunate thing for us when we saw it, we went to an old dollar uh, theater they had in paducah because it had been out in a, you know a long time so we see that movie and the good thing is i didn't have to wait that long to see the two towers because you know it came out just a few months later so uh that that was what got me hooked and uh glad to say that um you know before dad died i got to take take him to see all the hobbit movies uh you know later in life as an adult and uh that was just something that you know, helped us to connect in a really meaningful way. So that was that was my introduction to the Lord of the Rings and stayed faithful ever since because it was just incredible and remains incredible in my mind. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I it's <clears throat> you know, it, it's it's funny to think of you ever having 
ever having very little interest in Lord of the Rings, like yeah. because well, knew nothing about it. You know, I mean, at that sure. time in my life, you know, I, it was like, you know, I don't know what were you doing in seventh grade. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> chasing girls around the playground and you know, shooting hoops or something. I don't, I don't really know what I was doing at that point in my life, but it was not. It I will say this: my priorities were clearly misguided if I wasn't. <laughs> waiting for the lord of the rings premiere you know and i wasn't until i saw it and then then i was hooked it's it, you know i do have to mention this that uh for those of you who don't know micah uh and josh and i we we game fairly often together whether it be call of duty or overwatch or occasionally back for blood more recently um and there will be a point where if micah or or I or Josh wants to play, we'll just say the Beacons of Minas Tirith are lit. <laughs> and if any of us cannot play, we know that, that a Theoden has betrayed me text is following <laughs> sooner or later. You know, like that's the that's typically our, our call, you know. That's awesome. Um, you know, that that's typically kind of our go-to. <laughs> um Alyssa. This is actually interesting because I actually don't know uh, this about you. I, I I knew Micah's and I knew Andrew's and I obviously knew Josh's. I actually don't know. How did you get into Lord of the Rings? So just to preface, like obviously I'm a little bit younger than the rest of you. So my first introduction to all of this came in, I believe, the summer of 2001. I was six years old. And my grandfather had the audacity to call me a hobbit, which oh. I didn't know what that was at the time. And I was just like, hey, rude. <laughs> also, what do you mean? And he was like, you've never heard of a hobbit before. I was like, no, obviously, I'm six. Why would I? <laughs> and so he and my aunt started teasing me about that. And then they explained, you know, hobbits are creatures about your size they've got these big hairy feet and I was not having it at that point at all <laughs> and so um he went to my my grandfather is a huge like old school sci-fi and fantasy nerd um he just gave me his compendium of like Asimov short stories like original first edition so like old school nerd um, so he yeah. brought out his copy of The Hobbit, and he had my aunt sit me down and start reading it, and I was pretty immediately hooked from page one, obviously, because how could you not be? Um, it got to the point where she was reading too slowly for me, so after like two weeks of maybe like <laughs> half a chapter to a chapter a night, um, I kind of got sick of it and just grabbed the book one day and sat down and powered through in like a long weekend. Um, and that was, I probably finished it around December, January. Um, that was my first in introduction. I had no idea that the Lord of the Rings existed at that point. Um, they had not shared that information with me <laughs> at that point that there was more to it until one night um, I believe it was probably spring of 2002. Um, I lived with my grandparents at that point. And I remember I was in bed and I got up to like go get a drink of water or go to the bathroom or something. And my grandpa was in the living room. He was like, hey, come here for a minute. And he sat me down and he pressed play. And 
basically sat with me to watch not the not the prologue of the fellowship of the ring but that first beautiful rolling scene of the hobbits mm-hmm. up to the point where gandalf appears and he's like you know who that is and at that point like i was utterly mind blown like that was the most beautiful thing i had ever seen in my life all the bright colors all the green the rolling hills the hobbit hole was exactly you know what i had in my mind and that kind of just really stuck with me as like probably one of the best memories that I have. And like, I'm happily married and have like had all these (laughs) wonderful experiences ever since then. Um, And we didn't watch the whole thing that night. Like literally it was just that first 10 minutes of just that introduction of the long expected party. Um, And then we, we sat down and watched the whole movie maybe a couple weeks later, I don't know, but it was the same thing. Mm -hmm. Special extended edition, beautiful green cover. Um, I had this thing when I was little watching those movies and still sometimes to this day, just for the nostalgia, I would like to sit and like hold that pretty cover that looked like a book. And just like when I was younger, I would just imagine like I'm reading this while it was going. And yeah, we watched that one. I never got to see any of them in theaters because my family just wanted to preview and make sure like these are violent stories. We want to make sure that this isn't going to be something that's going to like utterly scar you forever. I mean, even though Bilbo's scene is like everyone's first. (laughs) is clearly the worst of of that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We got through that fine. But yeah. Yeah. those movies and then afterwards the books just kind of came to me during a period of my life where I was experiencing a lot of turmoil and I needed something like that to hold on to and see you know if they're getting through all of these things then I'm I can get through the things going on in my life as well um so in that sense it was you know absolutely I would say the most impactful part of my childhood and like I'm so grateful that I've had my entire life essentially just immersed in it so so that's my story (laughs) yeah no I I I cannot agree more especially with that last part I mean that's the you know not to get too heavy but obviously anyone who has listened to this has come through the last almost two years now and their lives have changed in some shape, form or fashion, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they have gone through drastic things. Um, and that's to me at, at its core, Lord of the Rings is a feel good story, you know, because, you know, yeah. as we, and I, I know we're going to get into multiple quotes and scenes of, of that later, where even at your darkest moments is when something good can still come of it. You know, something good can still happen. The The light's never truly gone. And that's being able to hold on to things like that is why really fandom in, in general is important, but especially Lord of the Rings, um, because Lord of the Rings always has that that light to it. Um but uh, but yeah, I, I can I completely agree with you on that one, Alyssa. And and it's funny you mentioned 
not being able to see the movies in theaters. Um, the one I actually was ever able to see in theaters was Return of the King. Um, which what's funny is like that's the one where I actually had to look away because they didn't want me to see the Siege of Gondor where they throw the heads over the walls. Um, uh, that was yeah. the that was the scene that I was not allowed to see when I was. I it's think, a pretty gnarly scene. It, it, really it is. is. No, 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 it absolutely it's, is. You know, yeah. I was. So the dead was, marshes I, were okay. Yeah, dead marshes were dead marshes were <laughs> fine. Okay. Um, Hama gets eaten by a warg, just cut in two, you know, <laughs> in two towers, you know. Yeah, all that's fine. Um, Those severed you know, heads, though. That's, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Se severed heads. That that was that was too much. Um, but but in fairness, you're not wrong. That is that is a pretty gnarly scene. Um, and I was nine, ten ish. I think oh, I just God. turned. I think I just turned nine at that time. Yeah. So. So yeah, so, but um, moving on um, to our actual questions of this. So we're, Josh, we're going to start with you again. We're going to keep going in that rotation, if that's all right. Sweet. Um, now, Josh, you, to the best of my knowledge, from everyone who just spoke here, were the only person here who gets to be the hipster about this, <laughs> um, and you actually had read the books before the yeah. movie. Yeah, you know, I read you know? the books before. Yeah. Before um, but what were your initial thoughts on the films when you first saw them after having, you know, been introduced to the world of Middle Earth through the page? What were your first thoughts seeing the films? And after going to the George W. Bush inauguration. <laughs> yes, yeah, and, yeah. and that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's hilarious to think of this now, okay? Um, and, and I believe... You know, because Mike, you weren't in the world, you weren't in the in in the Lord of the Rings world yet, so this was probably not a thing for you. But there was an abject fear going into those movies that Hollywood was going to ruin this, hmm. um, because and, and like it's something that's kind of forgotten now. But Christopher Tolkien was very much against the movies at the time. Um, I don't know if he. I don't know if he ever softened on it. No. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but like, it, it was it was bad enough to where like there was there was you know uh, even just to the point where in my opinion he uh, spitefully uh, you know lent the 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 book rights to uh, to have a very bad video game made mm -hmm. of the yeah. of the of the of Fellowship of the Ring. Um, you know, and so like it, it, you you had you had this this competition going on, and there was a lot of really like it just cynical kind of like uh, articles about you know is is Holly you know is Hollywood going to mess this up? You know, can't we have a classic you know book without Hollywood screwing things up? And so I'll never forget. Cause like I told, I told mom, cause I was a hipster at age 15. Even mm -hmm. <laughs> I told, I, I, I told mom, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go see it. I, I don't know. And I'll never forget. Uh, she picked me up one day. We went to books. We went to books a million. And when we were in books a million, she pulled out the two tickets. She said, I just went on and bought them. She had pre-ordered the, she pre-bought the tickets. You probably remember that. Vaguely. Okay. And she had pre, she, she had pre-bought the tickets. She's like, let's just do it. We're going to, we're going to go opening night. Let's just see what happens. And. You know, we we went and uh, you know, I, I think you know I don't know if you remember this or not, but like <laughs> we got home 
and we had we had also we had also the the four or five days before had gone to Burger King demanded to see a manager and had gotten every single one of the Burger King toys uh, that formed yes. the ring. Yes, absolutely. Um, yes. So like, so, so we came home and the four glasses Yes, and the four glasses. Don't, don't forget the four and, glasses. And so we came home and all mom wanted to do was like, talk about the movie with those. With, with, with the figures. With, with yeah. The figures. She had me bring them all out. Because I remember that. We, we had this like, <laughs> and to this day, it's still, I mean, I've seen a lot of movies I love in theaters. Um, you know, I've, I've plenty of Marvel movies, you know, Dark Knight, you know, to this day, I've never left a theater feeling as good as I did when I left Fellowship of the Ring. Um, okay. and, and I think it's just because Peter Jackson was a, incredibly smart, particularly in the first movie in how, um, the tone that he left that movie with, which was still this very. It, it, it's really, you know, I, I, real quick, I watched it just a few days ago. It is kind of jarring how earnest that movie is. You know, I mean, just like, because like I'm weirdly going into, it's going to sound like a weird transition, I know. But like I'm watching Succession right now at the same time. And Succession <laughs> is like the most. Like, I'll the most wait, cynical. I'll wait, you'll bring it in, reel it in. Yeah, yeah. Succession is like the most cynical thing you could possibly see on TV. <laughs> And and like I was reading, I was reading today, like the Ringer did their top ten uh, TV shows, and every one of them was like this, like you know, depressing, uh, with the exception of Dickinson. I haven't watched Dickinson, but I'm just assuming it Dickinson isn't depressing. But like uh, every one of them was just like you know, like they had you know Yellow Jackets on there, they had White Lotus on there, you know, they had Evil on there, they you know Succession was on there, like all these just depressing you know TV shows that were very cynical and basically looking at life like. You know, it just really sucks to be alive, doesn't it? You know, and like Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring comes out, and I'm watching it a couple days ago, and you just have all these moments where, even though the worst possible thing possible could happen, which is Satan gets a ring that he can destroy the world with, <laughs> and like, <laughs> even though the most po horrible thing possible could happen, you have all these moments of like, you know, poetry. You have these moments of song. You have this love, friendship. You have all these fantastic moments where like the real enemy like i mean the if, if you're looking at for a theme from Jared tolkien to an extent he's basically saying hey cynicism doesn't work guys you know if you don't believe in something things aren't going to change and that's what you come away feeling for at the end of that movie because the end of the movie you know and that's that's to bring it on back as andrew said when me and mom left you walk out of that movie with you know I'm glad you're here with me, Sam. Walking into Mordor, mm. let's hunt some orc, and then Enya comes on, and you just feel <laughs> really, really good about yourself, you know. And you leave, and like you know, things are going to be okay. I will really quick though. One before I before I hand it over. One funny anecdote. Mom had no clue there were three movies, and and here's the thing. There were several people in the theater because I'll never forget this guy behind us. This guy behind us. It, it is, you know, I'm glad you're here with us, Sam. You know, they walk off, Mordor in the background, credits roll. This guy goes, what the hell? <laughs> I'll never forget that. I will, I will always remember that. And then mom was like, you know, I was like, yeah, what the hell? And I had to like, mom, there's like two more of these. Okay, like there's, there's, there, you know, they couldn't do. We've got other things to they do. They couldn't do a thousand pages in one, you know, in, in three hours. Okay, you know, like it, they, there's more of this. 
Oh you know, but uh, I, I'll never forget that. But but yeah, no, I mean that's that's the the feeling of just they're just an, they're just an elated feeling at the end of this movie. Mm. And honestly, that's Peter Jackson does that with each movie. I know we're talking about more in Fellowship of the Ring, but Two Towers. I mean, even though Two Towers probably has the most depressing Somber, ending, yeah, because of Gollum and then that and then creepy Bjork. creepy Bjork song <laughs> uh, at the end. But like you know, I, I'm home or I'm back. Excuse me. Is uh, yeah. Is is just as nice of an you know elation moment. Uh, and then just, Annie Lennox. Yeah, and, and then, then Annie and Lennox. Then, and then, yeah. you know that's beautiful. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so uh, that's that's the that's the strength of these movies. Is that even as as action packed as dark and as as you know serious as they can get, um, they're extremely earnest in what they do. And and I and honestly, I think that's going to end up being their their calling card. You know, for as long as as they as people are watching these movies. Mm. Yeah, no, I could not agree with you more. Um, I mean, especially just like just like Alyssa had said, you know, and like you had said, you know, with the the hope is really kind of the the key thing in all of this, and that's yeah. Um, leading right into that, um, when it comes, obviously the the hope and the the power of that could not really be portrayed very well without the exceptional actors and actresses in these films. Um, Andrew, talk to me just a little bit. I mean, and obviously I know this, this is a large question, <laughs> really kind of a large kind of lead in. Um, the cast in these films almost seem too perfect in a lot of ways. Um, so talk to me a little about the different performances in, in the, in the Lord of the Rings films. Um, and really, who who were some of your standouts that just were basically page to screen, pretty much? Yeah. Oh, man. Golly. So I, I've read the books since then. Um, I'm rereading Fellowship right now, actually. Um, and you, you're right. Like, I can't not hear. I don't I don't know. I'd be hard pressed to find one person. In the trilogy. Um that doesn't just like embody the character, um, especially ones they were written by Philippa and Fran and Pete. Um, but um, they just, they all did so well. But I think the ones that definitely stand out um, for sure is uh, Ian McKellen, of course. Uh, sure. Serena McKellen is Gandalf. Um, Vigo uh, Mortensen, um, for sure, as Aragorn. Um you know, you know me. I love Legless. I love me some more Orlando Bloom. Um, he did. Oh man, he, he like yeah. So, oh gosh. So the question. What'd you say? Short. What'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> I basically just, just got talking about the different performances within the films and everything. Um, but I, but but you already mentioned the one that I really wanted to get to because I was curious. Um, does anyone else know who was almost vegan or who was almost Aragorn? I do. Unfortunately, because, yeah, it was not going to be Viggo Mortensen so much so that they even I think principal photography actually started with Stuart Townsend. There's there's very um, early pictures in an entertainment weekly we have here somewhere with Stuart Townsend's Aragorn <laughs> and it is weird looking. And like I nothing against Stuart Townsend. I the only movie I know him from is League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which is a very bad movie. So I'm not going to hold that against him. Um, <laughs> but I. I know for a fact 
that he would not have done a better job than Viggo Mortensen does as Aragorn. Just... I would also like to point out that very early on in the process, they had offered the role of Aragorn to Nick Cage. And if what? nothing else makes me believe in God, it is the fact <laughs> that that did not go through. What an yeah. alternate reality that would be Jeez. where Nick Cage is Aragorn. Yeah, oh. two close calls. Superman and Aragorn? Come on. <laughs> Um, I, I'd be, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have, and again, I can't imagine a world without Siri and McKellen playing Gandalf, but Sean Connery, I think would have done a phenomenal job as well. Um, cause I know he was offered it initially and he just, he felt like he couldn't give it what it deserved, um, and passed on it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, v, so, I just read the part, um, where Strider says to the hobbits, um, and the prancing pony, you know, if by life or death I can save you, I will. You know, um, one, it's a beautiful line. <laughs> it's an amazing sentiment. And I think, like, just, you know, with the script that they had with the film, just, just certain lines in the book, any, any of them that they gave to the characters on screen, those actors, I mean... Um, they got across every bit of the beauty that, you know, Tolkien put in there in the first place, I think. Um, and so um, Vigo's performance was great. Um, Boromir, honestly, the older I get, um, Boromir, I've just, um, <laughs> yeah, just like, I think it started with Boromir, but ever then just had this growing love of everything Sean Bean. Um, but <laughs> <Fair. Fair laughs> people can relate to. Um, but yeah, so um, just his related, he's one of the most relatable characters, um, I think. Um, uh, Legolas, you know, he doesn't have a ton of lines, um, but he, you feel every bit of his support of his friends in the film. You feel every bit of his um, um, his uh, royalty. Um, so he, he's one of my favorite performances. Um, just the chemistry between the whole fellowship in itself, um, I think, was fantastic. Um, mm. What a question, though. I mean, <laughs> I'm just like scouring through some of my favorite moments throughout the whole trilogy. And it's hard to name, you know, it's hard to to limit it down to a couple of performances. Um, I think Gandalf and Pippin's conversation um, in Minas Tirith about the Grey Havens, um, that sticks out to me a ton. Um, of course, you texted me today, um, but Gandalf and Frodo in the Mines of Moria before his nose tells him which way to go. Um I guess a lot of them do involve Ian McKellen, so. So Ian McKellen's probably the top, yeah. Yeah, that's he, he's, a, the, he's the standout that, you know, he he he's the through and through for the original trilogy, you know, he's the, you know, the council, the power, um, and then, yeah, so I, I think he's probably one of my favorites performances throughout the whole, you know, legendary. It's, it's it, it'd be, it'd be hard to pick one, above him but at the same time it'd also be hard to count out the others as well you know so, <laughs> yeah yeah but no, I, I i definitely i definitely understand where you're coming from i definitely agree with ian mckellen ian mckellen's probably, probably my standout too um did he win best supporting for fellowship i know he was there nominated was no actor that won for uh, any of the lord of the rings movies. ever okay see i knew yep. he was nominated and if anyone Deserves it from the first one. It's, they didn't it's, win that many awards <clears throat> really until Return of the King. Yeah, that's when the, the yeah. Oscars were like, well, we gotta we gotta fix this somehow. But and, there were seventeen you know. total. Eleven came from Return of the King. Yeah, yeah. 
So, and, yeah. but, but, but when's the last, but hey guys, at least Beautiful oh, Mind, that's a classic movie, you know. Y'all watch that Beautiful Mind movie recently? Or <laughs> the Hours? <laughs> Have y'all watched The Hours recently? That's <laughs> where Nicole Kim put our prosthetic nose. Mm. Y'all watch that recently? I, I none, of us are, none of us are bitter. We've all moved on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean. Clearly, we've all moved on. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, um, uh, you know, Andy Serkis is the man. Um, oh yeah, you you can't count out his performance and what he did for fandom. Any fandom you can think of, he's he's made it better in some way. Absolutely, I I think people who don't know Lord of the Rings know Gollum. People who don't know Lord of the Rings know My Precious. They know the voice, you know. Um, and if, although I think, I think I still agree with you. I think McKellen is the one to really look at, you know, Andy Serkis' Gollum is 100% the most recognizable, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the, that's what people, especially I, I'm, I know in the second one, people definitely did that where you go away and he's one of the performances that's in your memory, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, <clears throat> I mean, the amount of times my precious has just been used. <laughs> exactly. Like, just, it just, it's, it's, it's astounding. Um, it deserves royalties, I think. It, re- it seriously <laughs> does. I mean, yeah. it, in all honesty, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Andy Serkis, um, particularly because of their use of CGI to bringing Gollum to life. Um, and... My my next that actually kind of leads to my next question to Micah actually. Um, what would you say these films meant to adaptations going forward? And honestly, just kind of films in general. Um, looking over the past twenty years, I mean, how many films do you think would have would have been made if it wasn't for the success of Lord of the Rings? Yeah, I, I, and I I go through this with my wife, and what's interesting is I'm the one that introduced her to the Lord of the Rings. So you're welcome, uh, <laughs> fans, uh, and which she loves, by the way. But she, you know what she'll say, you know, and she grew up on Harry Potter. It was something she watched as a kid, and she had read as a kid, so she was enthralled with it. And it was so it was kind of her introduction to fantasy, um, you know, the, to the fantasy you know world, if you will. And so she'll say for her that Harry Potter is better. And of course, I, I'm not I'm not arguing that. I would argue against that to the death, you know, to the very end. <laughs> if by life or by death I could make that argument, <laughs> I would. But, but my point to her is without the Lord of the Rings, there is no such thing as Harry Potter. I think that's what it means to the genre. Not only would, do I think that uh, when you know we see that in films and in books, uh, but in video games as well. Uh, some of my favorite video games, The Witcher, uh, The Witcher Three, Skyrim, which I've been on here and we've discussed previously. These games are grounded in what we saw in uh, the Lord of the Rings and what we read in the Lord of the Rings, uh, and probably, you know, what kind of defines I think my generation in terms of uh, of. Uh, a TV show experience over the last decades has been, you know, Game of Thrones. And I think without the Lord of the Rings and its influence just in creating that fantasy world, I don't think you have Game of, Game of Thrones. So to me, the impact is, um, is significant and continues uh, to this day. So we have, we have Tolkien uh, and his genius to thank to a lot of that, in my opinion. I, I completely agree, especially about Game of Thrones, because, 
I mean, Martin talked all the time in interviews during a Song of Ice and Fire when he, when the books were coming out, not even even before the show, about how much um, Tolkien inspired him. You know, I mean, because because uh, really, if if you write any kind of fantasy, I mean, R- Robert Jordan, R.A. Salvatore, uh, Patrick Rothfuss, Brandon Sanderson, any of the like more so modern fantasy writers over the last you know thirty forty years. Everyone has something going back to Tolkien, you know, even even as as myself, as a writer working on a fantasy, there are things that are going back to Tolkien, you know, because you you honestly you can't you can't not do that with the with the groundwork that he laid and just storytelling just in general. Um, But but Game of Game of Thrones as a show, especially, I don't think would have would have happened mainly because one it's so extensive you know it's such a such a big story and and also i i don't know who we would have had as eddard stark if it wasn't for lord of the rings um <laughs> Going back to and, Sean Bean. and 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 also and also i don't know if we would have had anyone as good in fact excuse me not i don't think i know we would not have anyone as good as sean bean uh if it wasn't if it wasn't for lord of the rings and it wasn't for that role because you know but uh, but yeah, I definitely I definitely agree with that. Um, Alyssa, I I I'm sorry that I actually gave you probably the hardest of these questions. Um, Josh already kind of mentioned mentioned it a little bit, um, but and and you you already knew this as well as I did uh, that Christopher Tolkien, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's son always made the statement that he was worried about the sensationalism and the commercialization of the films. 20 years later, do you think his concerns and criticisms were merited? I hope someday that my kids love me as much as Christopher Tolkien loves his father and his father's work. Absolutely. Just having that kind of legacy and that sort of fierce protector of that kind of legacy. I mean, they didn't even dare start working on a Netflix show until Christopher Tolkien passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can see why he was concerned. And I can see, you know, as that sort of fierce protector of that legacy, why he took issue so much with the way some of those rights were used. Um, there are pretty massive deviations in the movies from the books. As much as I absolutely love those movies, I can fully recognize that there are some pretty problematic changes. Um, you know, I don't think any real fan of either the books or movies can really kind of forgive, you know, the whole movie character of Faramir I mean that's a completely different person um as Al would say having never read the books and only seen the movies and only having heard about the character um you know justice for Tom Bombadil um (laughs) (laughs) um, I think it kind of was a disservice to the original work you know, the end of Return of the King, where the hobbits go back, you know, back to their good, their green, their beautiful land, and see that even that has been absolutely destroyed and corrupted by the evil, and they have to rebuild. Um, I know 
you know, obviously there's time constraints when you already have a movie that's four hours long, essentially not being able to squeeze that in. But I think that definitely took away from the book in that sense. Um, Just seeing, you know, there really is no going back to the way things were before, but that doesn't mean you can't take that brokenness and that damage and build something new and build something from what's left behind. Um, I think, yeah, I don't know. I'm getting a little off topic here, but. Um, no, you're definitely on topic. Yeah. Um, yeah. As, you know, a massive, massive fan of those movies, I, I can see where his anger and his possessiveness of those works comes from. Um, I'm, I don't think it's fair for me to be able to speak for him or, you know, speak for the estate answering that question, but I, I can see and understand that perspective while still appreciating the art that we got out of it. Yeah, no, I, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with you. And I, and I, and I asked you that because I wanted that to be brought up, and I, I and I, and I'm sorry that, that I chose you as that person. Um, no, it's but, okay. But I do, I, I do agree with you, and 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 to an extent, I agree with Christopher because, mm-hmm. like you said, you know, this is a man who literally devoted his entire life to editing his father's books and editing, you know, the histories of Middle Earth, the unfinished tales, and of course, what will presumably soon be an Amazon show or parts of it, the Silmarillion. Um, which if anyone here has read Lord of the Rings or watched the movies and loved them and they wanted more, I'm telling you, you gotta you gotta check out the Silmarillion. Yes, I know the first part. Yes, I yes, okay. I've read Silmarillion. Um, okay, the first part of the Silmarillion is actually hilarious. Like I it's genuinely amazing. think it's funny how much of just like a pure brat Melkor is. He's, like, he's a toddler. <laughs> he, <laughs> he is a toddler. Is. Like, he has no reason to be that much of a punk. And it's just so funny watching that unfold. But I think Melkor sorry. would be a really funny name for like a rambunctious dog. Or know, a cat. Or a little That's cat. That's a good know. cat name. Yeah, it's it's That's definitely a cat name. <laughs> I'm telling you, after, after these books come around and, you know, Netflix show or Amazon show is out that's that's gonna be the new loki i'm calling it now mm. the new loki is melkor yeah mm-hmm. i can see that <laughs> um but but no i do i definitely do understand because creating those things and then you know seeing stuff like the as although i do have a fondness for them growing up with them the ralph Bakshi lord of the rings cartoon the rank and bass cartoons which like you said do have a lot of deviations Despite wonderful songs by Kenny Loggins, yes, I knew you were going to say it. Um, <laughs> um, you know, and then being concerned about, as Josh said, the Hollywood aspect of it, and making it just an action movie, and not having the nuance that Lord of the Rings necessitates. And so, for for me, I do understand where he's coming from, especially when you would let's see, when does Shadow of War come out? Is that? 16 oh, years yeah, 16 oh, no. years later 
we yeah. get we get sexy sexy lady Helob yeah. um, as a that's character. That's going to be a whole of, different podcast. Yeah. And yes, it is. No, yes. Yes. Leave yeah, we're, we're gonna leave that one alone for right now. But but I do understand where he's coming from a little bit. But I, 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 I do want it real quick because I know there's not going to be much uh, like critique after this question. But I do want to bring up if you know, like yeah, Faramir, we all cry about that. Um, but like in Return of the King. I just I don't even watch until they get to Shelob anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, the Sam and Frodo. You stuff. skip the breaking of because, Sam because it is so, it's 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 not just a deviation from the books. It's like a it's like a murder of two characters. Um, and like when you read the books, I would love to ask Peter Jackson what he was thinking on that because when you read the books, there's literally a scene where like Sam shouts down. Shouts down Sauron, who's trying to tempt him, mm-hmm. and that's not in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, and so, so like all every bit of that is just you know is just less cool than it could be because you wanted to create this weird. I, I still don't understand what they're trying mm-hmm. to do there. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if this felt like there was stuff they couldn't shoot. I don't know what what happened there. But when you read the like when you read the books and you watch that, it's such a deviation. It's it's. It's just jarring. It's just wrong. It's yeah. just straight up wrong. And like, and that, and that kind of thing. And when you, when you like read about how Tolkien was like, you know, Sam is actually the hero of the whole thing, you know, and like you think about what he would think about that. That I can understand where Christopher's coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, but at Josh, the same time, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. In The Return of the King, in the book, when Sam is essentially taking out an entire tower of orcs on his own, he uses the ring, doesn't he? Well, it's it's like the way they describe it is they go to like the if if I remember correctly, they go to the the orcs, um, uh, like uh, a point of view of the orcs, and it's like they see a small elf with like a horrible weapon coming at them. Um, okay. But I don't think he ever, I don't think he ever actually puts the ring on because that's not? the whole. Okay. That's the whole, the, you know, like, <laughs> see, it's great because, like, wh- I don't understand why this isn't, like, you're telling me you wouldn't want to watch a scene where Sauron tips Sam with being the world's greatest gardener. Like, you wouldn't want to yeah. watch that because that's exactly <laughs> what he does. Like, like, he's like, he's like, you know, like, he hears someone telling him, like, he would become the greatest gardener and he would take right. over the world and, the, and yes. there would be no more, like, you know, in every every plate, there'd be gardens everywhere. And, like, that's his temptation. Mm-hmm. You're telling me you wouldn't want to watch that? I, no. I'd watch you, that. You'd better watch Frodo make Sam climb down those stairs for an interminably long time you know that's what you want to want it, it just bothers me but but no yeah to your point i mean th- that's another thing that's cool that's really kind of missed out like you see a shadow on the wall you mm. know with sam going up those stairs but like in the in the books it's like you know the orcs are like we saw a little elf with a horrible <laughs> weapon murdering <laughs> us you know we are terrified <laughs> of this thing. That, that could have been yeah, that could have been something really cool just at the end of that movie. Like, if we had had that scene and that temptation, and then, like, at the end, if we had had, you know, because in the book, Sam has the seeds for the trees of Lothlorien, and he yeah. plants one in the Shire, and that would have been an awesome way to, like, sort of end those movies, just being able to see that tree growing there. Yeah. I mean, they, there is. There's just a lot. There's just a lot missed out on. And, to, and yeah. but, but uh, here, here's the other part of that is this: is that it's on my the the 
illustrated edition of Lord of the Rings on my Christmas list, which is going to be another, mm. you know, uh, uh, version of this book I want, mm. you know. And you don't, if you don't have these movies, I mean, the, Lord of the Rings has been in, you know, top 50 star every year yeah. since the since the movies came out, basically. Mm. I, they might have dropped out a couple times. But it's always during Christmas, if you go into a bookstore, it's always, hey, looking for a gift yeah. by Lord of the Rings. Mm. And I just don't think you have that with the movie. So it's kind of a six one way, half dozen the other. Mm. Yeah. You know? Well, it's like, and if you just look like, you know, I mean, obviously the sheer work that went into creating the legendarium um and it's like i i find myself having this weird um you know almost deadpool's advocate role of it's like well did you ex you know like can you expect every single thing like yes <laughs> can you expect every single you know word of dialogue every single you know scene every single motivation to be true like i can't think of one film even on a short story book that was able to keep the integrity of the original source material. Um, something as simple as uh, how the Grinch stole Christmas or Horton hears a who like um, even those take Liberty. And maybe that's the Hollywood that everyone is so worried about as well. Um, but I find myself trying to focus on how much they got right. Um, and I think that that Absolutely. far outweighs, which I think we all, have landed on essentially you know is that what what peter jackson did and how much heart and love he and the crew put into making these films does outweigh the stuff that um maybe doesn't make sense or could definitely could have been better um and i just kind of revert back to um you know the the books didn't go away after the movie <laughs> you know after the movies yeah. came out you know if anything we just have uh, you know, again, more exposure, more ways to enjoy the sandbox that is Middle Earth, too, you know? Um, Gosh, I just think of the thousands and thousands of hours that the armorers and costume creators put oh. into making all of that chainmail. Mm. Like, literal thousands of hours mm -hmm. doing individual links for hundreds of costumes. Mm. Yeah, no, I, like that's the, you know, at the at the end of all of this, like you like you said, Andrew, you know, when it comes right down to it, you can say more good things than you can bad things about these films, and I think that's, and and, and of course, you know, like Josh said, you know, the every year since you know the movies have come out, either Lord of the Rings or some Tolkien book, whether it was Children of Huron. Fall of Gondolin, Baron and Luthien, a Tolkien book has been somewhere in the top 50 bestsellers. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of, you know, I I almost don't know if you would have that level of success currently without the movies, you know, yeah. uh, especially with the, with the way that the world has gone in diving into worlds like this, whether it was the, the Marvel cinematic universe or star Wars or DC films or anything else like that. Um, if you don't have, uh, if you don't have the Lord of the Rings films to really kind of be that starting point for the modern versions of these, of these universes and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, but yeah. Um, so next up, we we're gonna be talking about you know kind of the characters in general. We I, I, I earlier this week I asked everyone here, 
a character that they really wanted to talk about um, and during during this podcast. Um, so, so Mike is going to start us off with Halleth Sonahama. Um, no. <laughs> I'm actually, actually, I'm really upset Mike didn't pick Denethor. Uh, the amount of times I've heard him just say, bring me wood and oil. Like, I just, <laughs> yeah, um, no. Denethor, no doubt, is the best character in the movies. I mean, <laughs> in my okay. opinion, he is, he, is the, he is the absolute best because he's the worst. Uh, and he does, and and because I do use that on you guys when you guys don't play video games with me, I'm able to say Theoden has betrayed us. Uh, and I, you know, um, but no. Did you want me to talk about Sam Jake? Is that what you want me? To, is that who you want me to talk uh, about? Y- yes, actually, yeah. The uh, Sam was Sam was the one that that you had. Um, to really, as it's kind of what you're talking just about Sam in general, um, really just about the the fact that he is. As Josh already pointed out, a lot of people uh, make the statement Tolkien himself said that Sam is the true hero of the story. Um, Sam has, in my opinion, the scene of the trilogy. Um, you know, in, in Osgiliath, he has the the quote, the moment mm-hmm. where that really everything hinges upon. So, look, am I going to talk about I, Sam or are you going to talk about Sam? I was going to. No, no, that's fine. I know. Everybody's welcome to, to pitch in. For for me, uh, and I think, and, and one of the reasons I'm drawn to the Lord of the Rings, uh, it, well, one, one of the reasons is because I'm a Christian, and the themes uh, of Christianity, uh, the light over the darkness, the good over the bad, uh, themes of friendship and love uh, and forgiveness and determination, these are all woven in there, and they're done so intentionally and with purpose by Tolkien. And what I see in Sam is the embodiment of, to what we talked about earlier, everything that's good in the world. Um, the reason the world is worth fighting for uh, and the good in the world is because of people like Sam. And I think Sam exhibits that with his loyalty to Frodo uh, and this is, you know, we, we, you know, we recognize that even though Frodo treats him like trash uh, throughout half of the series, we recognize that he sees the bigger purpose and the mission, uh, and he's devoted to his friend because they've been best friends, and he is, um, you know, he's devoted to the greater cause, and he's willing to forgive and love and sacrifice. Uh, which is another great Christian theme that we see out of Sam. So to me, he embodies everything that's good about humanity uh, right in that character. Uh, And he doesn't get all the praise and the accolades. Uh, He's somebody who's behind the scenes, doing the grunt work, not getting the love and the appreciation. Uh, But without him, you know, the, uh, the ending's a lot different. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just without... I mean, Frodo says it best. He wouldn't have gotten far without Sam. You know, mm-hmm. like that's the that that's kind of the go to. Um, yeah. Um, Josh, you had you had chosen an interesting character, um, but uh, but but also one of the best. You know, and and one that I I kind of thought you wanted to talk about him, um, but you you said you wanted to talk about Boromir. Okay, and you want to talk about. So what 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 drew you to really choosing Boromir? 
Um, well, you know, my, uh, my favorite character in the book is Sam. I mean, uh, for all the reasons that, that Micah, um, that Micah's already talked about, but, um, the character that I, the, the more I read the books and more I watch the movies, um, that I tend to grow more attached to, uh, every time I read is Boromir. Um, because Boromir's interesting, um, because of the fact that, um, <laughs> Boromir is an atheist in the foxhole. That's what he is. Mm. Uh, we, we, you hear that term, there's no atheist in the foxholes. Um, Gerard Tolkien is someone who has, who experienced war, uh, would probably be someone that would tell you completely different. And that's kind of what Boromir represents in my opinion. And what's interesting about him is that. You know, it, it, Mike's already talked about kind of the Christian themes, and one of the reasons I like Lord of the Rings is is obviously the Christian themes. But there is this tendency among among Christians, uh, this almost like Calvinistic influence. Uh, if you know what that is, fine. If not, don't look it up. It's not worth your time. But like, there is this <laughs> Calvinistic influence to kind of view anything non-Christian as useless, or anything of the world as just something that you know is just doesn't have any bearing on life. Um, what J.R. Tolkien does with Boromir is he takes a guy who is the complete inverse of every other person in the fellowship and says, this guy matters. Um, because Boromir, he has no belief system as far as like, you know, as, as far as, as far as like, like he, I mean, he doesn't believe in elves. He, he doesn't have any like love for elves. He doesn't have any love for, you know, oh, Ar Aragorn, son of Arathor, where have you been for the last, you know, six years of my life? You know, like he doesn't have any of this, any of this belief in this. And when you look at, it's one of the reasons why when people kind of start to bash the character of Boromir, it makes me upset because let's just all put ourselves in his shoes for a second. You walk into the Council of Elrond, a place that is, we're told, okay, has one of, if, if not the best army, one of the best armies in all of Middle Earth, but it's just kind of stuck in the middle of the forest somewhere. You walk into this place you've never been before. All these people who know how to fight the enemy, but you've never seen them and have left you on the front lines, they sit there and they tell you, well, instead of giving you the most powerful piece of weaponry in the world, we're going to hand it to this hobbit, and we're going to take, we're going to tell this hobbit, and we're going to have him go to Mordor and dump it in the fires something that a Sildur great warrior could not do himself. Not only that, where we create the, when we create the fellowship, we're not going to just send one hobbit. We're going to send four hobbits. Okay. And like in the books, Gilgalad is sitting right there. Like he's just, <laughs> he's just sitting there. And like Elrond at one point is like nine servants are the ring race. We will send nine servants in the Fellowship of the Ring. And when you think about that in context, <laughs> if they went mano a mano against the Ring Race, you know Boromir is standing there going, well, I'm going to have to take out three of them by myself because I know the <laughs> hobbits aren't going to do anything, right? You know? And so, like, it, it's just, it's really, when you look at it from his perspective, he he's the only guy approaching this thing from a logical point of view. And that's eventually what ends the breaking of the fellowship because he's the only one that can't see the hand, the hidden hand behind all of this, mm. the most heartbreaking line and the books say it and the movie says it. 
is it's not yours save for unhappy chance. That is the most heartbreaking line in both the books and the movies because it tells you right then and there that he does not understand where that unhappy chance comes from. Hmm. Um, and I mean, how could he? He's been stuck on the front lines his entire life. His father's crazy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I mean, you know, and, and it's, you know, he sees the strength falling and, you know, why, why wouldn't this fall to him? You know, why, why wouldn't this come to him? That's where the battle is. Um, so, like, you know, when you think, for me, Boromir is just, you know, he, he's representative of, you know, the the argument against having belief or having faith. And I don't mean like, I don't even mean like, I, I'm not even saying faith as far as like religious. I'm just saying having faith in a in a concept or faith in, in something that is going to matter to the world. And Boromir is the argument against that in a lot of ways. Uh, he's the argument for, nah, kill, kill your enemies the way they kill us, you know? And, and there's, that's interesting to me. And, um, and, and the last thing I'll say about Boromir is I, you know, when you read the books, um, like, I, I, like, I, I don't want to, I'm, I'm not, obviously, I hope both the Game of Thrones fans and the Harry Potter fans will understand where I'm coming from when I say this. But like in Game of Thrones and Harry Potter, you know, if you're the bad guy, you know, typically, or like, or like you're an antagonist or something like that, or even sometimes in Game of Thrones, if you're not an antagonist, you know, if you're just stupid, horrible things will happen to you. And, you know, with Boromir, one of the things that I love that Tolkien does for him is even though he is an antagonistic influence in a lot of ways, he still gets to go out like a camp. And there's every time Boromir is spoken of, with the possible exception of Gandalf saying that Faramir is better than, than Boromir, which always makes me angry at Gandalf. But, like, the every time Boromir is spoken of, there's, like, this pity that's that's spoken of with him that's not like like a it, it's almost like a you know like how horrible this is you know that there are people like this um and and that that to me is you know to have to put that character so front and center center that's part of tolkien's genius in my opinion but josh don't you think that uh, that he has kind of a brilliant moment of redemption yeah, yeah, I mean, he does. And, I mean, and, and he, understanding, like, it's, you know, for him, it was, you know, he was blind, but now he sees kind of thing. I mean, it yeah. was a, he, you know, because you're talking about, he, he, you know, he doesn't get the bigger picture, he doesn't understand, and then all of a sudden, he has that moment, though, where his eyes are open. Yeah, and and, and that's what I mean, like, he, he does, <laughs> he, he goes out, you know, I mean, like, you just like, I mean, well, I mean, just, I'll, t- I'll here, here you go, like, you know, uh, compare it to how another Sean Bean character goes out in Game of Thrones. Like compare the two, you know, I mean, there you go. And like, and that, that tells you like, you know, George R. R. Martin, you know, somewhat mean spiritedly wants to tell you like, if, if you're like this guy, you're not going to survive in the world. And J.R. Tolkien on the other hand is like, if you're like this guy, you know, you can still be a force for good. You know, even if you screwed up so much, therein yeah. lies the difference, you know, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I've, Sorry, I've been dealing with the cat. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I, I completely, I completely agree. And I'm, and I, I, I wanted the, the Boromir sermon. I, I was, oh, I was prepared you? for that. Yes, I was 100% ready for that. Um, moving on though, uh, Andrew, you, you had picked an interesting character because although he is very clearly, you know, like the, the awesome guy to really look for and 
pretty much every film he has a standout moment. Um, but like, even to your point, you even said Legolas does not have a whole lot of lines in the film. I think he, I think he kind of gets a little undercut there. But uh, why did you choose Legolas? What, what, what really makes Legolas stand out for you? So, uh, of course, my first, you know, experience with him was, oh, he's the cool guy. You know, he's the he's the medieval sniper. You know, he's the, uh, um, uh, you know, he's uh, f- very fair. You know, <laughs> he's everyone's first love. Everyone's first love. That's right. And uh, and of course, my you know, my brother just immediately loved Aragorn. And I remember throughout the whole trilogy, um, we would just go back and forth talking about who's cooler, Aragorn or Legolas. And I was always team Legolas. Wes was always team Aragorn. And oh man, just those sweet moments in the theaters watching Legolas do whatever he did in that movie, you know, for the first time, just like elbowing Wes, you know, um, when he rides the shield and Helm's Deep, when he takes out the Oliphant. Um, And so um, short of that, um, just him being um, just B.A., if you will. Um, I, I think his um, his loyalty to um, Aragorn as a friend um, really drew me to him as a character as well. Um, and I think he's he's humorous. Like there's not there's definitely humorous moments within all the Lord of the Rings films. Um, but to me, you know, Legolas's subtle. Uh, humor, uh, for example, when Aragorn comes back um, from falling in the river and he goes, you look terrible. Um, <laughs> I've just always resonated with um, with that type of humor, that like that, you know, um, sarcastic kind of brotherly love that like I'm with you. You know, the fact that he saved the pendant at all, you know, is holding out hope that Aragorn was OK. Um, and so for me. Um, and even into the appendices in the books, like him after the War of the Ring, you know, kind of revitalizing Mirkwood and um, eventually bringing Gimli with him um, to the Undying Lands, you know, to be the first dwarf, I, th- I believe the only dwarf to ever go um, mm-hmm. to Amon, to the Undying Lands. Um, that just speaks of his um, his loyalty to his friends, um, his willingness to serve a greater cause and a greater purpose. Um and the fact that, you know, he's a he's a prince, you know, he's royal, um, but I feel like he doesn't um, really lord it over anybody. You know, most, you know, casual watchers of the film might not even know he's one unless they're paying attention whenever Gimli says an Elvis princeling, you know. Um, and so I, I just kind of like his, you know, it's funny to say humility because he is the cool guy that boasts, obviously, with his friends. Um, but that, you know, that humility, the loyalty, um, the humorous side, and then, you know, of course, just you know, he's a force to be reckoned with. You know, I, I feel like you can trust him to keep you safe. So Legolas has always been, you know, just definitely one of my favorites. And can, I, can I ask you one question about Legolas that maybe you'll be able to shed some light on? And I think observers understand this. Um he seems to have unlimited arrows. Do you know anything about that? <laughs> I mean, but he, there's always another yeah. arrow. Um, so he, uh, I think in the books, actually, he um, he, like he, he, he scavenges them. after each battle and picks them up. The only ones he leaves are ones that are broken, and they're seldom broken. Because um, he typically, he won't hit armor, which would typically shatter an arrow if they hit it. He usually finds his mark. And so that's what he'll do. They didn't show it a lot in the films. Um, 
in the Hobbit movies, you do see him reach at one point and he's out of arrows. That's the first time you <laughs> yeah. see him kind of panicky, like, oh, crap. Yeah. Um, there, is, there is something like that in one of the books. I can't remember which one where, like, he does end up having to, like, use his little swords he has because he is, like, out of arrows at that mm -hmm. point. And he's still, like, yeah, incredibly talented with that as well. But... And I, Yeah, and I love one of my favorite parts of the film, to speaking of that, too, is in um, the Amon Hen battle where, you know, he takes an arrow, takes it out of the quiver, flipping it. And he stabs an orc with the arrow just like it's a knife and then shoots someone. So, like, in my mind, I was like, he's just, he's really maximizing damage with those things. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. Oh, this is excellent. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, so that that's, you know, that's what I would say. He's just, he's just, uh, he's a master bowman, you know. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, to, to speak to that part about humility, Andrew, it's really... It's really interesting um, because he's, you know, for for readers and for people who've watched all the movies, he's Thrandall's son, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, so like if, if you if you read the Hobbit, you know, because if you read the Hobbit first, Thrandall's kind of a bad guy. Like, I mean, he's like he's he's not. I mean, he's he's not great. He's, he's not a good guy. He's, he's apathetic, okay. you know. You know, and then and then like when you get into he's you, gorgeous though. He is gorgeous. He is He's gorgeous. <laughs> He's like the most beautiful man. But like when you get to when you get to Lord of the Rings and you get to the part where Legolas shows up and they're like, you know, of Mirkwood, you're just kind of gonna assume that well, he's gonna be horrible too. And it's just complete inverse. You know, he's like this really wise, poetic, he's a singer, you know, like it's, just, <laughs> yeah. it's all completely different with Thrandall. I don't know, like I, I haven't really Alyssa, you might know this. Like, is there is there something about his mother that like like, you know, because like, cause like some of them, they'll be like, you know, they take uh, after a mother or whatever. But I, I don't even remember hearing about Legolas's mother. There's not too much. Mm -mm. His age is even a little. Yeah. They think it's, he's around 600 or so at Council of Elrond. He's, yeah, he's still very young. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, he's still very young, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed mm -hmm. in Lord of the Rings. Um it's funny that you say that about Thranduil, though, because, like, my interpretation from reading The Hobbit first is that, like, Mirkwood is kind of the party city of the elves. Like, that whole scene when they're, like, first discovering, like, the elves around the fires, like, for some reason my brain goes straight to, like, the Monty Python Holy Grail part where they, like, get to Camelot and then yeah. they're like, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> Let's not go to Markwood. It's a silly place. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was that's my fair. take on him, but that's probably a very silly take to have. Mm. I'm I'm so. happy about that take though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but to answer your original question that I again got very sidetracked on, um, there's not a whole lot about her, I don't think. Mm-mm. It's just weird because he's very different from Thranduil. Yeah, he just is. He just, in the he, books and the movie. Yeah, yeah, he's just very, very different. Yeah. Um, Alyssa. Yeah. The character you chose, what is very, very interesting because it is a character that literally the older I get, the more I start to kind of relate to him in a lot of ways and really kind of understand a lot of where he's coming from, really, which is going to sound kind of dour, um, but you chose Theoden. And mm -hmm. 
So I and so I'm kind of curious what what about Theoden do you just do you just love about him as a character? Is Theoden Dower? He uh, started. He, uh, well, yeah, when you got Grim of Wormtongue <laughs> crying in your ear, yeah, I, I mean, mean, but like, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, I'm because I'm I, I meant more so in the aspect of like he. Well, actually, no, I, I feel like Alyssa was. Alyssa, Alyssa just excuse for me. Theoden, justice for I, Theoden. I, here, okay? Theoden's a great person. Yeah. I'm just saying, yeah. Alyssa, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Excuse us. So, so like I said when you first asked this question, first of all, he's like the OG horse girl. And, like, mm. obviously I love that. Um, but, yeah, no, I think... I think the character of Theoden is very much... Very, very similar to the character of Boromir. Um, if Boromir was given that second chance to then continue on. Um, I... I'll probably talk more about this in a minute, but like probably one of my favorite things about Theoden is during that battle of Helm's Deep. Um, and I said this too earlier when we were talking about it, just the, you know, dichotomy of Theoden's what can men do against such reckless hate then contrasted to Sam's whole speech that he's giving throughout the ending of that whole battle where you know, these things are kind of happening. They're sort of coinciding when Sam is, you know, giving his speech about this darkness is a passing thing. The light will shine again and it'll shine the clearer, um, which is my favorite quote in all of Lord of the Rings lore. Um, just kind of seeing Faden having sort of an opposite approach to like this overwhelming, horrible situation he's in. He's just seen most of his men die. Um, he doesn't really have hope at that point. And he's still in the mindset of, you know, ride with me one last time. Like, we're going to die here, but we're going to go out swinging. Um, so just kind of having that one more time, let's do this. Like, we're not going down without a fight. And still you know, riding out knowing this is the end. And then it's not, and that's wonderful, and we love that. Um, but I just kind of always related a little bit more to him than to Sam, just because, like, I I struggle with a lot of mental health issues. Um, those of you who know me know a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety. Faden is a very relatable character to me. Um, if you especially Faden in the books, I feel like um, you first meet him very similarly to how you do in the movie where he is this old man telling Gandalf to screw off, basically, um, very much under the complete control of Saruman at that point, mind completely not his own. Um, and the interesting thing that they do in the movies with him that they don't do in the books is once he is released from Saruman, he sort of like ages backwards and has like his own little Benjamin Button moment going on there. Um, and I don't think that really happens in the books. Like at the end of it, he's still an old man. Like he's definitely got a little bit more vitality, but he is still old. He still 
you know, is standing there knowing he's the end of his line. His son is dead. He is pretty much picking up the pieces of his broken kingdom. And now he's realizing that there is this huge, massive threat that is going to wipe out mankind. And what can men do against that? Um, And the answer is, you know, probably not much, but we're going to do our best. And I always really loved just that, like you said, he's a little bit grim. Um, He's a little bit dour, but he's going to give it his all. And I don't know, just kind of growing up, I really appreciated that. Um, His relationship with Aragorn, he sees this person come in and, you know, they have that little scuff, that one moment where he is like, last I checked, Thaden is king of Rohan, not Aragorn. But then pretty quickly backtracks from that and is like, you know what? You know what you're doing? <laughs> Let's teamwork, buddy. <laughs> teamwork. Um, I don't know. Like, you see a lot of character development from what's essentially a broken person to him definitely redeeming himself. Um, that and his horse, like, has his own little poem written about him on his gravestone, which is incredible. Um, but yeah, I love him. I love his relationship with Eowyn. Um, I love that even, you know, though he's trying to protect her, he's trying to keep her safe. He still gives her responsibilities, like more so in the books than the movies. Like he trusts her wholeheartedly to take care of his people if all else fails. Um, I appreciate that. I appreciate the respect he has for the other characters in general. You know, he is one to listen to counsel, um, especially as they move farther on and he develops more of a trust. So, yeah, I could go on and on and on and on and on Mm. about (laughs) this character, but I do really relate to Theoden, I think, more than to the others, just... Yeah. He's he's a gut punch. He is a gut punch of a character. Yeah. yeah. So. No, I I feel like I need to explain where I was coming no, from a little bit. On that. She did, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's the you know, okay. Oh, okay. Excuse me. Yeah. Okay. Um but you know, I I I do I do want to mention, you know, because like you said, you you mentioned his his character development. Um and that and that's really my favorite part of of him. Because he goes from someone who, and they they show this really well in the movies as well. He goes from the where was Gondor when the Westfold fell, you know, we all yes. know the memes, of course. Um, but he goes from that to my body is broken. <laughs> no, <laughs> thanks, Andrew. Uh, no, There's that dower again. <laughs> he, he goes from that to when. When Aragorn says the beacons of Minas Tirith are lit, he doesn't miss a second. He just goes, and Rohan will answer. Mm. You know, and it's 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 a very very different person who is answering at that point. And then you skip a few scenes, and he's like, "What are the writers from Snowborn?" And then um, um, uh, Grimbold is like, "None have come, my lord," and he's. Like well, just like, we've all right. Well, less than half of what I hoped for, but you know, uh, yeah. here, here we go. And mm-hmm. 
and you know, like you said, his relationship with Eowyn, the it's a scene that I have grown to love more the older I, I've gotten. Is what duty would you have me do? And he says, "Duty, I would have you smile again, mm-hmm. no spare." Yeah. If we, you know, we've we've talked about how Lord of the Rings can really affect our own personal lives. And we've all had moments where we have felt nothing but despair. Like everyone here, I'm sure, has had at least one moment like that. I know I can at least personally attest to I have. And the thing is, is that to think about that aspect of no matter what happens, I would have you smile again with no more despair. To me, that is what that is what is what drives home who Theoden is. And that's why, and that's why I, that's why he's one that I have grown more attached to the older I have gotten, because um, it's a, it's a dark, dark world out there. But you know, no more smiling again with no more despair. That's the hope, you know. And yeah. that's yeah. And kind of going off of that again, you know, going back to Helm's Deep, it always goes back to Helm's Deep. But again, you know, he has his own moment of despair there, where mm-hmm. he's like, "Crap, this is it." But, you know, he takes his moment and he takes his time just being overwhelmed and being, you know, completely not okay with what's about to happen and with the fact that the walls are breached and that's never happened to, you know, gathering himself and still rallying all of his dudes together. Um, I don't know. Again, it's just very relatable. Like, take the time you need be overwhelmed, but then get up and do something about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if Thayden's, if his calling is not relevant to our world today, I don't know what is. Uh, yeah. We're more polarized and angrier than we've ever been. And there's literally a dark cloud of Mordor bringing viruses and Corona, you know, all, you know, and I mean, really, I mean, there's a lot of despair and there's a lot of pain and a lot of feelings of hopelessness. And, um, you know, like Theoden, I think we're challenged to find the strength uh, to move on and to try to smile, you know, which is what, which is one of the reasons Tolkien's so good at challenging yeah. us uh, in moments of despair to do that. And again, you know, this is a character that was written after the author not only survived World War One, but had to fight through World War One. You know, just knowing that at the time that is the worst tragedy in known history, essentially. Um, I see very much like, you know, you can't tell me that Theoden is not based on some real life character stuck in a trench knowing, you know, we are probably going to die here, but for God and for country, essentially. Um, And again, like, I just love the contrast between him and Sam at that same moment doing those same things, because Sam is, for all intents and purposes, you know, other than what he has seen so far in this journey, he's never known war, and he's never known those types of overwhelming odds. And so he still has more of, I don't want to say he's naive, but he still has more of that innocence and more of that hope readily available 
and that's what drives him. And then Thaden, at the same time, you know, doesn't necessarily have that hope, and yet he's still doing the same thing, and he is still carrying on. Hmm. So, well, I mean, you could also say, just to to borrow your uh, um, your example there, Alyssa, you could also say Thaden and Denethor kind of have their own contrast mm-hmm. as well, because you got Denethor yeah. like, hey. Everybody go die the way it seems best for you. Run for your life, you know. Yeah. That's horrible. Leave, you know, just, I don't know. You know, this is yeah. over. It doesn't matter. And then you got Thaden showing up on a battlefield that is not his and being like, let's just charge into this thing, see what happens. Okay, there's elephants now. I don't know. We'll go deal with those too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, my prediction is that if Denethor and Thaden were on the ballot in the United States for president, we would no. probably elect Denethor. <laughs> yeah, that's probably fair. Oh, <laughs> I'd write in Sam and be done with it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Definitely that contrast of like a good leader, and then I hate seeing a I hate saying a bad leader because again, Denethor is another character who is so multifaceted, and you could go on and on and on and talk about his heritage and being a steward of a country that's never going to consider him a king and having to sort of inherit this leadership that's not supposed to be his and you could go on and on but yeah typically you don't want your leaders going cuckoo banana puffs Mm. you know at the first sign of ring wraiths (laughs) at the door so cuckoo banana puffs at the first on the ring race would be a rough one yeah (laughs) yeah um so i've got got two more questions that's kind of that's kind of general ones um josh has already touched on his pretty much because i and i kind of knew what his answer was going to be but i was curious is there anything you guys would have changed from from the films and uh we'll start with andrew is there any any kind of scene it could it could be anything it could be a scene it could be the interpretation of a character um it could be maybe the way something looks that's one I do not think will come up, but, you know, it could be. Um, you know, uh, is there anything you would have changed personally? Oh, man. Um, that's a good question, because I think for me, um, and maybe it's just because I'm rereading Fellowship right now, um, but I really appreciate um, Mary and Pippin's determination you know the fact that they pretty much already knew how deep in it Frodo was before he even set out and they're like hey we've known this whole time and we're going with you you know I think I think that gives the four of them um setting out you know from the Shire that just gives them that that urgency that like gravity of the mission right off the bat five of them Andrew oh right Remember, there's a guy who can't fit in a boat, and that's why we never hear about him ever again. I did uh, forget. But, but justice for Fatty Bolger, which is where I thought you were going with this. Okay, but but that's okay. We can just go. We like, carry on. Yeah, he, he just yeah just doesn't um yeah just go with him. He doesn't go quite the way of the gatekeeper of Bree, but I mean right right. You can assume nothing good happened there. Oh, <laughs> um. Gosh. 
R.I.P. Fatty Bolter, man. Well, at, at the end of it, no, he's so fat he can't even get out of his chair. That, that, that's a thing. Like, that's in the book. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. So he does live. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. No, that's a thing. I never no, he, connected no, that yeah. those were the same characters. Yeah. They just, I'm, pretty, yeah um, I'm pretty sure that's correct. I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, somebody I, can yell at us later on this. Okay, I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry, Andrew. I, 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 but carry on. Um, but I would like to see that um, one Frodo... You know, I, I think in that in that dynamic between, you know, Mary really being quite the bit of a leader, um, Pippin being, uh, you know, still foolish, uh, but um, along for the mission, he knows what's happening, you know. Um, and then, you know, Frodo, he's just more, um, he's a bit more of a leader as well, right? Like, he still um, obviously needs Sam. Um, you know, Sam, of course, is the Batman of the story. Um, and... You know, you see Sam and Mary and Pippin and Fatty. No, um, <laughs> really gather around Frodo and just say, like, we're going with you. And Frodo's like, no, you can't. Like, I can't ask you, you know. And they're like, well, it's too late. Like, we're already, like, this is a thing, you know. And so I think I would have liked to see that. I, and with that being said, of course, I love what they did with Mary and Pippin and their own journeys um, through the War of the Ring and um, how they became champions of both Gondor and Rohan and, um, their development was great, and um, and they stayed super tall. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I I, I really do love with, but I think that would have been cool to see um, Dominic and Billy have a bit more of that, like, um, less of like, oh, like we got roped into this, and we're gonna rise to the occasion, and more of this, like, I'm looking out for you, you know. Um, we're going to get you there, you know, that kind of determination. I think, I think that would have been a cool dynamic to see within the four hobbits. Yeah, that, no, that's de definitely a solid choice. And I definitely, I, I really, I really do tend to agree, especially in the first part of fellowship, um, you know, between the Barrow Downs, uh, mm -hmm. getting to the, getting to Bree, to the Prince of Pony, all of that, there's, there's a lot more before the Council of Elrond that a lot of people don't see because, you know, it does. It's not as important as what comes later, kind of thing. Right. To, to, yeah. to the story as a whole, um, but I do. But it does sometimes bring the four of them, excuse me, five of them, um, closer together and really kind of make them a stronger unit. And so I do, I do understand, definitely understand where you're coming from on that. Um, but. Uh, Micah, what about you, man? Any anything that you? No, I, I got nothing. The only thing I would say is that um, I, I wish uh, Shelob had shown a little bit more skin. Uh, in the <laughs> okay, gotcha. All that. right, that's <laughs> man. Good, good answer. No, good answer. no, it's that's not. It's, no, I mean, I, look, I, I, love know, it. I thought she was rather attractive. You know, when I was running around Mordor as a like human <laughs> race. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dominating uh, captains and, uh, you know. Who, who would you have um, voice Shelob in the movies? <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Andy Serkis. No. <laughs> yes. Yep. Probably. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I got Andy nothing. Let's do it. <laughs> I got nothing. All right. Well, skip it. Well, skipping Micah then because that just was awful um Alyssa anything in particular that you would have changed I, I think I might have an idea of your answer but uh but I'm curious uh it's hard 
I I'm gonna stay away from the obvious stuff. Um I wasn't a super big fan of the death of Saruman and of Wormtongue in the movie. Mm. Um, I think that was just super easy, barely an inconvenience kind of <laughs> way of dealing with it. Cool, cool, cool. Um, shoot, am I allowed to say that? Is that like... I think it's copyrighted. Uh, is it not copyrighted? I, I think okay. we'll be okay. I, okay, all right. I'll we'll shout him out. That is that um, is copyright. Okay, that okay. I'll do it. That's owned by Screen Rant and Ryan George, and we love Ryan George. Yeah. And if he ever <laughs> hears this or that gets to him, dude, we will support you as much as we can. I'm so sorry that we apparently used that with that permission, but I'm I'm <laughs> my <probably> bad. <laughs> Um, no, I I do not know. I think you're okay. <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't know. Again, I really just love the Shire. Um, I wish there was more of that in the end of the book. Just watching the rebuild of that. Um, I would have loved to see Sam's trees that he plants just seeing that even if we didn't get the whole you know the whole of the raising of the shire the scorching of the scorching scouring scouring scouring. it was the scouring of the shire we were so close (laughs) we just kind of danced around the outside of that one for a little bit um yeah even if we didn't get to see all of that i would have loved to see him plant those trees and just like you know even in the Fellowship of the Ring, Galadriel recognizing, like, okay, you're a gardener. I've got a special goodie for you. Um, even just seeing that um, and seeing that come to fruition would have been really interesting. Um, especially, I thought we were going to get that because in the Fellowship of the Ring, you know, Frodo does have this vision. He sees the scouring of the Shire, essentially, in Galadriel's pool. And it that did come to pass. You know, what he saw did happen. Um, and we don't really get any of that. And I know, like, that movie already had, like, 18 endings. And the last hour of it was just wrapping up everything that had happened. Um, but I think that would have been, like, a very beautiful way to bring it back around. And I will die on that hill if I have to. So, <laughs> um, on that Hobbit hill. <laughs> yes, on that Hobbit hill. On that note, I also, this is a silly one. I would have loved to see more of the character arc of Bill the Pony, um, because he is like a chapter long pivotal character in the Fellowship. And then Sam actually gets him back at the end. And I just love that. And I wish we could have seen a little bit more of that, of Bill the Pony, but. So six of them, technically. Yeah, I walked Fatty out of. Fatty and Bill the Pony. Jake probably remembers, I walked out of Return of the King, and one of the first things I said was, um, Bill the Pony did not show back up. <laughs> yeah. And what's interesting yeah, is Fellowship as of the Ring, they, know, they, like, they started in Fellowship of the Ring because Aragorn goes, he knows his way home. You know, yeah. like that's something that's so. As far yeah. as you know, if you just watch the movies, poor Bill the Pony just died in the wilderness. Yeah. But no, <laughs> um, yeah, I love like Sam straight up like almost beat a guy up 
for abusing Bill the Pony. And he's like, no, this is my pony now. You can't have him back. We're taking him. Just like kind of threw him over his shoulder and walked off with Bill. Um, And I just love that. I don't know. That's absolutely precious. And just another like point for Sam for being the main character. Mm. Um, (laughs) Big main character energy there. But yeah, Bill the Pony. Love him. Yeah. I mean, it would have cost two hundred dollars just to have Sam just go, Bill, and then Bill! I would have been fine. I would have been <laughs> last, last word of the trilogy. Yeah, exactly. What, what if it had been like the off-screen, kind of like the end of Monster Zinc, like yeah, where she, where she been, goes, Kitty? I would have been like, like just, just, you know, like I, I remember, like that, to your point, that's a big part of the books when they get back to they get back to Bree, right? He's at Bree, yes. right? And, and like they get back to Bree, and he's just astounded that Bill has made it back. Like he made it, you know? but Bill at that point has been blessed by elves and everything. So like you know, yeah, uh, Bill is living the high life. Yeah, with their old friend absolutely. the innkeeper. Mm-hmm. Old Parliament. <laughs> um, I will. I will. Oh, the yes. the the interesting thing about Skyring the Shire, um, that just to piggyback on what uh, Andrew and Alyssa have already said, is the the <laughs> the worst part about that is at the end it's almost like Mary and Pippin's story hasn't ended because that is where really their self yes. self-actualization happens. Yeah. Uh, you already you already get that with Sam and Frodo because of the ring and all that <clears> stuff. But like Mary and Pippin's story really culminates there because they become the leaders of Hobbiton. As yeah. like the, and of the Shire. And so like, you know, I mean, because Frodo's really just kind of like, can't we all get along? And you know, mm-hmm. and Sam's but Mary and Pippin are at that point like warriors. Like one's a writer yeah. and one's a Gondorian soldier. They're the ones, and that's something else we miss out. Like, they did actually get significant training, like, significant fighting training. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And I feel like in the movies, they're a little bit more infantized. Mm -hmm. Is that the right word? Listen, just have Pippin kill one troll. I mean, just give him one. Like, that's in the book. Like, his, 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 his sword is literally called Trollbane. So like just have him kill one. Just like you know, it's it's not once again, it's not that hard. Guys. <laughs> okay, yeah. they did Aragorn. both stab a troll. It's true. They do both stab yeah. a troll. But what if like at the end, like Aragorn's like dueling that one, and then he's <laughs> like, like, "This like, is God. too much for yeah. me." And then Pippin's <laughs> like, "I got this." <laughs> would, would anybody be angry? I wouldn't no. be upset. Like nope. that would have been amazing. Nope, not at all. Um, but slight slight detour. Okay, I, I, I know you're, you're trying to skip me because I've already said what I would change, but. Real quick, uh-huh. my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite characters in the book is Amir, and Amir, oh, hell yeah, just like I mean, yeah. like he's he's great in the movies. Don't get me wrong, Carl Urban, yeah, he's, he's great. fantastic, yeah. you know. But like, there's a scene in the in the books where the where he sees the Corsairs of Umber, and like, and he's fighting, and like, after, he's already he's already fought the Oliphants, and he sees the Corsairs of Umber, and Tolkien literally writes this. He says. Amir laughed as one fay, and I just—I've always loved that. It's my—it's it's my favorite line from the books because it's literally just, "Oh yeah, look, mercenaries from the sea now. Let's just let's fight those guys too. Let's and, keep the party going." It's yeah. almost like it's almost like a Burr from Hamilton moment where he's like, "Oh, this should be fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. Might yeah, as well." Like, yeah, he—he he just. We've really... already committed to dying here, so. Yeah. 
Why not have pirates? Yeah, and, and you do. I mean, I mean, he, he gets he gets a cool moment where he takes out an elephant with a spear. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it's great. But like he's he's just kind of, and 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 I kind I mean I get it. Like his his character isn't that important except as like you know he's the heir to Rohan. I mean, yeah, I but mean, I'm just saying, you know, like that's kind of important. supposed to be though. Yeah, he's not supposed mm-hmm. to be the heir to Rohan. That's true. That's true. Yeah, get a big so, hand like, in you know getting rid of Grima. But. Yeah. Yeah, but I just, I, yeah, I just, I just feel, yeah, I just, I, I couldn't let that one pass. I'm no, sorry. No, you're, no, you're. I'm sorry. So, so mine was. <laughs> he never laughed as one fae. I know like, that he never laughed as one okay. fae. That's true. <laughs> no, I was. It, it's, it's interesting that you and Alyssa had already mentioned my first two, which were Amir had needed more screen time, um, mm-hmm. Faramir being basically a completely different character in this in Two Towers, and being better in Return of the King, but not where he is in the books oh i have one more too when you're done okay but my my number one the scene i would not have had and it is only in the extended editions um but if you don't watch the extended editions you're actually very confused about where his staff goes uh for the black for the black gate i would not have had the scene where the witch king breaks gandalf's staff the reason i wouldn't do this is because we've already had the scene, particularly in the extended editions, where Gandalf breaks Saruman's staff because Saruman has no more power except mm. for his voice, which then leads to the scouring fire, so on and so forth. I'm not going to get into all that. But about an hour and a half later, Gandalf has a showdown with the Witch King, which is, which from a, from a dialogue standpoint is true to the book, and I do appreciate that. Um, and then right after it is when the Rohirrim come, and that's the whole thing. But before he looks to see the Rohirrim, he lights the sword on fire, breaks Gandalf's staff, and I really think that undercuts Gandalf as Gandalf the White. Um, and I know that's probably the nerdiest thing that's been said on this podcast at this point, but... Um, to me, at that point, when when you are being blessed by the Valar themselves and you are coming back to guide the forces of men and elves to face this one doom one last time because your journey was not done, at that point, I think you can take the Witch King if you really needed to. And I know that, or at the very least, stand against him to where you're not going to lose your staff. And I th- and and I know that once again, this is from a film perspective where they are trying to just add more to the Witch King. Uh, whenever Eowyn does defeat him, that being the big triumphant moment, and that's great, and I love that. I love it in the books, I love it in the movie. But when you've already had scenes of the Witch King, like you know, grabbing thrones of of soldiers and just hurling them across the entire city of Minas Tirith, and he's just. He's flying, doing all, all the crazy stuff he does. He's already stabbed Frodo on Weathertop. You already know he's the big bad. We don't need to have that scene where he also takes Gandalf's staff. Yeah, I mean, my my main issue, I mean, yeah, I agree with you on that. But Alyssa, Balrog or Witch King, who, who's who's more powerful? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like the answer should be the Balrog because, like, even the hordes of evil were like, no, let's not, yeah, let's not mess with this. So, like, you know, the, I mean, the the Balrog of Morgoth, which is literally meant 
that he's a Balrog born of Sauron's, you know, Boss. captain. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got, you know, the Witch King, who is the first to fall to Sauron. It just seems like the Balrog will be more powerful. But I, they don't really know what to do with, with Gandalf's powers in, in this in a lot of ways, you know. And, 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 I, and I agree with that. But you've also got... You've got this that also that scene where he chases off all the all the ring race, mm-hmm. you know, with the light from the staff. Mm-hmm. So like the they just not put the staff on the charger now, overnight. He he, well, that's now and, his, and that and that's what I've kind of been like thinking through too. I've been um, <coughs> as I'm rereading and a couple of different podcasts I've lis- listened to as well of just like this idea that power, you know, is finite almost and in this world power can be spent and it it doesn't you know recharge you know um and you see this a lot um with like um Feanor's mother she's like i all the power that would have you know given life to many i put all of it into Feanor you know and it's like she is out it's over like she doesn't have any more to give she won't recharge and so to me this happens very late in the game and so Gandalf, we've seen him, and you even see this in the Hobbit movies. I think Pete Jackson was pretty intentional on in showing Gandalf do way more. Like you see him just like straight up like throwing goblins, you know, yeah. um, like just. And that's when he was a gray wizard and not it, the white wizard. Exactly. So you just see him using more power, doing more things. And this is towards the end where a lot of his, you know, power is more or less spent he's still there to give you know guidance and wisdom but to me that symbolizes okay his power is running out this is even his last ditch effort to help the last alliance you know of the world of men against the doom so like i think to me that's why it didn't quite bother me as much but Me and Andrew are doomed to fight forever. We just are. <laughs> and, and like, and, and, and like, no, you, you, I, 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 I love that with the with the Fianor, the particular Fianor thing. But like, the only problem with that theory is he's sent back from presumably, you know, the the Heavenly Council, Manway. Yeah, yeah, presumably. Or, so like, it, it's like he should have had a recharge. You know. Right. So I, I mean, yeah, but I, 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 nah, I, I, there, there is a, there is a lot, particularly in the Cimmerillion, about, about using. I mean, because I mean, that's the whole point. Like, that's the whole reason Fenner wants, wants the Cimmerillion so bad, because he put all of his power into the Cimmerillion. Yeah. But yeah. You have, you have a point there. I just don't know if it applies to. And, Gale, and I just, but... and I didn't even really make the connection until Gimli brought up his qualm with the staff breaking, and I just, it came to me like, okay, that like. That's like happens pretty late in the game. So in my mind, I just immediately went to okay. Well, wizards aren't unlimited power. They're not Arrow himself. And so in my mind, I was like, well, Gandalf probably would pretty be like he'd be run, you know, not running out if you know what I mean. But I think that's just where my mind almost went of like maybe he is. You know, he's just he's spending a lot of his um, his magic. You know, his the power he had been given even for the coming back as the Gandalf the White. Um, but and I also like the idea that Gandalf's a little bit of a rebel because he is not supposed to interfere with the affairs of men to the degree that he does, and he's just like, no, no, this is stupid. You know what? No, like, I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah. Well, forgive me if I'm forgive forgetting because it's been a while since I've read Return. But is his staff ever broken, or was that specifically in the films? It's specifically it's in, in the, the films. films. Yeah. Okay. 
That's but so you. But he doesn't really run into the Witch King in the. I mean, he he, he does. He has he has a conversation. So, but like they don't fight. <laughs> so instead, so in the book, <laughs> instead of the trolls coming through the gates of Minas Tirith after everyone's favorite goodest boy Grond breaks through yeah. the doors. Um, <laughs> After that, the, the Witch month. King is the first person that comes through. He's on literally a peg, a black Pegasus instead of a fell beast, um, with his golden crown. And as like he's like he's got a flaming sword and everything, and, yeah. and all the other people are like, "Oh crap, he's here!" That's when they hear the horns of Rohan and the sun rises, and then Theoden gives his great speech, and then yeah. so on and so forth from there. Huh. Uh, Okay. Yeah. They had so, to give that moment to the mouthpiece, though. The oh, the mouth of Sauron. You mean? Yeah. Oh, that, Sauron's in, but I mean he, but he's there too. He's in yeah, the books. He's that, that's in the books too because yeah. he shows yeah. him the the yeah. shirt, the shirt because the way the books are split up. Uh, at that point, when you see the Mithril, you as the reader, if you have not read ahead or haven't seen the movies or anything, you don't know that Frodo is still alive. The last thing right. you saw was Sam find out that Frodo is still alive, and then he runs to the Tower mm-hmm. of Kirithungal mm-hmm. after, excuse me, after um, uh, yelling down Sauron. Yeah. Um, well, and murking Shelob. And, and murking Shelob, yes, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's important as well. A, a, a giant spider, not a <laughs> Sam is not. Sam is not tempted by her wily feminine ways. Okay. Sauron was trying to tempt her, with, tempt him with gardening hoes, and Shelob is trying to be a hoe. <laughs> okay. Anyways, moving moving to our our finale. Okay. And ending on a high note, I, and this has been a. Very long podcast, and thank you all, the our guests, for sticking with us. And to any listener who has stuck with us for this long, uh, thank you so much. Um, but ending on a high note, nice little fun one. Josh, we're going to start with you. Favorite quote from the movies? So everyone can go ahead and get some time to think on that one. Favorite quote from the movies? <laughs> Okay, you're gonna laugh because oh, I'm ready. You're gonna laugh because I've done it to you so many times. Oh, uh, but um, but just just because it's it's the moment really that that in my opinion encapsulates uh, the the entire um, the the entire relationship between the two characters, and it's not in the book actually. It isn't. It isn't. It is. But not. I would have gone with you to the end to the very fires of Mordor. Is one of my favorite quotes, and it's a fantastic scene um, that you've a, ruined. That, that I have ruined, yeah. Because every time Josh hands me something, like like prime example, would be like, "Hey, can you throw this in the trash?" He would hand it to me, <laughs> grab my hand, and then go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> only, only if it's only if it's like really like useless. Like, let's say I have a small like like a fun size Snickers. And then I just hand it, you know, I'll eat it and then hand the paper to Jake and be like, I would go off you to the end to the very fires of Mordor. And, and I got to be honest, it never gets old. Uh, 20 years. 20 years. <laughs> that joke's been going. <laughs> but uh, but that, that, is, that scene, if, if we didn't really, we didn't, we didn't really discuss this, but like, if, if you're going to ask me what scene that was added to the movie that's not in the books that actually improved it, it's that one right there. Um, because that's a... You know, there the everything before that is the the temptation of Aragorn. Uh, you know, I, I think it's the only time, unless you're unless you're in the uh, 
uh, unless you're um, uh, watching the extended editions, where you hear a, a, a lesser, uh, which is as you know as as. Um, uh, it is at the Black Gate in both versions. Oh, it is in the Black yeah. Gate. Okay, all right. But either way, uh, just 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 a really it's, well just also it's LSR. Whatever. Um, just okay. You know, fine. Just LSR. Yeah, LSR. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know. Sorry. Off the tongue a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, my my my. He's called a lesser. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. My expertise is in the is in is in the dwarven the dwarven. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that, that makes more sense. Know, of Casa Dune, so like you know. <laughs> you know that's, that's what mine is, okay. Uh, so you know the, the I pronounce you King Elisir of Minotaur. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the the Elvish the Elvish speech is you know just 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 doesn't roll off my tongue as well. Uh, but no, I do I do I love that scene. That's that's probably my favorite quote. That's that's definitely a good one. Definitely a good one. Um, uh, Micah, what about you, my friend? What's your what was what would you say is your favorite quote from the films? Uh, there, there are so many good ones. Uh, that still only counts as one uh, when Legolas takes down the elephant. That's a good. One. <laughs> but really, for me, to be honest with you, the and it's there. There were just so many powerful scenes in the movie and gestures um, when when they're bringing it all together in the Return of the King and Aragon, um, you know, is crowned the king and uh, you know his bride, uh, Eowyn, uh, is revealed. Then do what now? Ar- Arwen, sorry. Arwen, my bad, my, my bad, my bad. Uh, and, um, and and then, of course, he approaches Frodo and Sam, uh, Mary and Pippin, and uh, they kind of give him this, like, nod, like, you know, he's the king all of a sudden. And, uh, of course, his, his response is, you know, you bow to no one, and then he, he, he bows to them. And it was just, I thought it was a beautiful expression of uh, appreciation and, uh, and gratitude. Uh, just a powerful moment in the movie, I think. But there were so many. Yeah. Now I've I've always liked in that scene that like Pippin kind of has like this like mild look in his face where he's like, finally. I don't know if that was his intention, but it's just like there, there's just a mild hint of that. And I'm hoping that, that Billy Boyd was actually trying to, to portray yeah. across of yeah. that. Oh, he was too. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Alyssa, what about what about you, my friend? Your your favorite quote from the films? Yeah, I think I said this a bit ago, but I have it pulled up so I don't misspeak. But um, specifically the line in Sam's speech where he says, um, a new day will come and when the sun shines, it'll shine the clearer. And honestly, like, that's gotten me through some pretty tough times just knowing like, yeah, absolutely, this sucks. But, you know, it's got to get better eventually. If it doesn't, like, what's the point? So I just always really, really liked that, that specific line, that and the one that my darling husband has ruined for probably all of us now. Um, He fell (laughs) because for some reason that line with Gimli telling Eowyn that Aragorn Fell. That's his favorite. I I can't watch. Why that is that his favorite him. line? He, he just thinks it's really funny. I don't know why. Um, he just the gravity of that scene for me. Yeah. 
that is yeah. a, you know I, al you know how he is but i'm, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna yell at him later yeah, on i that am too one. yeah that's, that's not a funny that's line, not a funny line. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, think, I, I think god rise davies yeah. delivers it very yeah. well you know he does very uh, way. He, he fell you know just, but just like out of context out of context he fell <laughs> for some reason <laughs> Yeah, that's like one of Al's favorite running jokes, and I don't know why, and I could strangle him for it. Uh, Every yes, time we watch yeah. that movie, you know, before we get to that scene, I'll have to turn to him and be like, I swear to God, if you open <laughs> your mouth, <laughs> don't ruin this for me. <laughs> so. Oh, goodness. But yeah. Andrew, Andrew, what about you, my friend? Your, your favorite quote from the film? Um. Hmm. Honestly, it it might be what you texted me earlier. I mean, it's um, it's a conversation I think of often, but it's in the minds of Moria, and he says, uh, "I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had ever happened." And uh, Gandalf says, "You know, so do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we can do is decide what to do with the time that is given to us." And I think, I mean that that quote, you know, for me, I feel like. Like you said, everyone's been to a point where they're like, I, I just wish, you know, I just wish this hadn't have happened. I think um, that gives that hope of like, hey, you know, you can control what you can control, you know, and uh, and move forward. So I think for me, that's that's definitely my favorite quote. That's, you know, you that that's mine, too, um, particularly like, you know, <laughs> as good as it is in Moria. Like actually hearing, you know, the conversation and everything. The scene that always gets me is when he's standing on the shore, you know, and then it's play, it's played back for him because mm. at, at that point he is literally leaving. Not only not only has he already left his home, he is leaving the last people that he thinks he will ever see in his life, you know, mm. and that's and 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 he's but he still knows he has to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's, it's interesting to think like as as I've gotten older. You know, to think about the aspects of, at that point, Frodo literally just being like, well, I guess I'm going to walk to Mount Doom myself, you know, just through the Black Gate and everything. Just, yep. it's going to be me, you know, and that when, when he just, he has the ring and he hears it and that's just, I, I tear up every time. I, I will, I will, I will. Yeah. Readily admit that, you know. When Elijah Woods is like his, his performance, you know, you see his face and he's holding the ring. And then when Gandalf's voice happens, his face like changes and it's like he's happy to hear the voice again and to hear that those words of encouragement and wisdom. And it's like, yeah, that's such a powerful scene. Mm -hmm. I wish I could go back in time to 2003 and tell Elijah Wood, listen, man, you need to pick some just just pick better roles, man. Like no need to do Sin City. (laughs) It's not necessary. Like, you know. I, I I I know you want to do the talking dog imaginary movie, your imaginary show Willard, but like, you know, you've got the be- one of the best faces in Hollywood. Like, we just need to, you know, mm. we need to we need to put you in more stuff. You know, mm. <laughs> it's hard, hard to yeah. Hard to I watch mean, it, that, it, it is. Know, it's, or... just, it's just like you know, you know, it, it, it's just amazing to think like he followed up two towers with being a. A cannibal, a cannibal in, in Sin City. City. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just like it's That's amazing fair. to me. Yeah. Like, I, it's yeah, you know, the man has the weirdest. He, he's he's got a weird IMDb. He does. And this got dark <laughs> fast. Yeah, but uh, my friends, we are going to uh, we are going to finish it on that. Um, oh, Alyssa, yes, you have something you want to say? 
Yeah, I just want to say before we wrap, um, you all know this last year, we lost Ian Holm, who mm. was the original actor who portrayed Bilbo. And we haven't really talked about that role at all. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you, because that character was everything I wanted at six years old when I first read The Hobbit. So mm. I just didn't want to end without giving that shout out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, wherever absolutely. you are out there, thank you. <laughs> and uh, uh, Christopher Lee as well. I mean, yeah. of course, you know, yeah. Sar Saruman, you know, just bo both, both of those actors. The only member of that cast who had actually met Tolkien. Mm. Yeah. And and you can you can tell that both of them were definitely just giving it their all in, in those roles. They 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 really were. Um, even though Ian Holm uh, terrified most of us, you know, as we again first you know. ever sleep paralysis demon. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah. But anyways, my friends, uh, we're gonna get off here. Um, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you to our wonderful guest. You guys are amazing. We love you all. Um, and as always, fandom is for everyone, my friends. You guys have a wonderful evening. We'll see you all next time. Bye.